Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 401 of the podcast. We have crossed over the beautiful line of 400 episodes. I want to thank all of you who uh, checked in and expressed a, a hello and a, a mild congrats and all of the great stuff you said about uh, Jonathan and getting me getting to do the little song that she was uh, patient enough to agree to do with me. No, she's so amazing and she was uh, more than patient. She was uh, inviting and warm and wonderful. And I feel like I can call her a friend now, which is very exciting. Um, I also am very excited for you to listen to this episode with Nagin Farsad. I am kind of obsessed with her. I, she's definitely one of those guests where I feel like I should just be able to call her up whenever I want now because she's so accessible and funny and delightful and inspiring and I can't wait for you to familiarize with familiarize yourselves with her if you have not already I'm sure many of you have but um she's so great I just have a huge friend crush on her so enjoy this episode I hope everyone is staying safe and well as we just plod our way through this winter thinking about you I've been doing uh, my mashes, and they have been so much fun. So uh, that has been a real highlight of uh, my quarantine since I started doing them with you guys. All right. I hope everyone's well and talk to you soon. How are you? Where where are you? What's happening? Who's I yeah. yeah. I'm in New York City. Uh and I don't know when listeners are gonna be listening to this, but it's that interesting time a couple days before Thanksgiving where you're still working really hard, but your heart's not mm-hmm. in it at all. Oh yeah. And that's where where I'm at psychologically. <laughs> in a year <laughs> where who knows where anyone's heart has been in what for pretty much the entire year since March. The entire time. Yeah. What have we all been doing and thinking? It is unclear. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I have felt... You know, fine, and then burnout, and yeah. then fine, yep. and then burnout. I I go into the into really fun burnout cycles where, um, and then I just and then I have these days where I act like the pandemic is only happening to me. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> yeah, like oh. and I'll just like like cry to my husband, just like why, and he's like, you realize this is global? Okay, just. <laughs> I know. I wonder how many of us have said, I'm not sure I've said these exact words, but you know that some of us have said the literal words, why is this happening to me? You know know people are saying that. Yes. Um, It's funny because it's also funny how many stages of of pandemic we've been in or whatever, Um, which like because in the the very first week I was supposed to do a particular show and um, it was it was it's I'll I mean, I don't think it matters. It's it's wait, wait, don't tell me an NPR. And normally we tape that in Chicago or around the country, different spots or whatever. I was supposed to fly to Chicago and I 
honestly to like the last moment thought that this was still going to happen. But I was going to fly to Chicago on the first days of a pandemic when literally the entire globe had just shut down. (laughs) Like this is post Tom Hanks, right? Right. And um, I so I'm I'm talking to one of the producers who's calling me and and, and they were like, listen, you're actually not going to fly to Chicago. We've we've determined that that would be entirely reckless. Um, But we'll send you to the New York studio and that's how all the comedians will do it, whatever, uh, from various NPR studios around the country. Like, fantastic, great, great, great. So then they call me and they're like, turns out, (laughs) like, NPR does not want garbage comedians up in their building, (laughs) like, sneezing on all the surfaces. So we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to cancel you for this week um, and just use L.A. comedians because, like, L.A. NPR had looser standards. No, I don't know why. There was just, like, some weird whatever. I'm not trying to besmirch NPR. They're wonderful. But then, and then, anyways, and then, you know, because it was like day three or four of pandemic, I just start bawling to an NPR producer like a lunatic because I just was like, I don't know. It just hit me in that call. And I was like, I'm a comedian. Will I ever work uh, again? Like, I didn't say those words to yeah. her. I almost, I'm, I tried to maintain some professional integrity on this call, <laughs> but I was crying. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, can you imagine crying to an employer? <sighs> like, that's crazy. I'm sorry to say I um, can. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> and like, I've since, I I apologized to her afterward. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm so, I all of my emotions happened just so happened to happen on that one call you know I'm sure she thought that I'm sure she was like I'm a human person I'm a human being I feel those feelings uh couldn't couldn't understand better yeah no she obviously she was fantastic it was just like it but it's so interesting where you're when your body decides to uh understand feelings oh my god absolutely well listen I feel like you clearly were more healthily processing than many of us. I mean, I I was definitely sort of in a fog. And I had a similar situation where everything, it was like, you know, somehow work, maybe this is true for a lot of people, but somehow work did seem to be like business as usual. I don't even know if I've talked about it on the podcast. Maybe I, I probably have. I mean, come on. What, what else have we had to talk about this pandemic? But <laughs> You're just on repeat. I'm not yeah. even speaking to the real you. <laughs> this right. is a recording of stuff you've already That's right. said. That's right. Uh, and sadly, it's still like four months ago. You're getting, a re- you're getting a recording from four months ago because that's how confident I was that nothing would have changed. Um, but I, I, was, I, was, I was on a show that shot before a live studio audience audience and um we and I when I was sitting in the makeup chair when we found out that South by had been canceled and I had and this I think I have said before but maybe only once and I when I was like and I had this moment where um I was looking at my phone and you know that I uh, my partner for Sketchfest texted me because obviously like you I have a vested interest in live events of the comedy nature <laughs> and texted yes. me and said South by just got canceled like right before it was about to happen and I and I very dramatically was like oh my god and everyone was like what <laughs> what and I was like they just canceled South by Southwest and everyone was like whoa and then two people go what is south by southwest <laughs> so it was so anticlimactic and then i did this thing where i looked around where i was like 
I mean, <laughs> you're right, you guys. Like I looked around like, can you believe these people don't know what it is? And then I realized I was in a room full of people who work on like television shows that have just have never, they don't, I don't know, for some They're weird reason. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and so I was like trying to, and so then I said something and then I, and then to, to a person I was sure would know, I said, um, but did, did you hear what I said? They just canceled South by Southwest. And she was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And then someone next to her said, what is South by Southwest? And she said, it's a big country music festival. Oh no. Yes. So it was a very <laughs> anticlimactic moment where I thought I was going to like record scratch the whole room and everyone would just drop what they were holding and there would be a shattering of glass. Instead, people were like, what is it? What are you talking about? Um, you just had to be like, it's like Tom Hanks, but with a, but a film festival. Well, but and also like, <laughs> it's like the NBA, but a film exactly. festival. But, but even that, like, even I... Because I because I was like, well, you know, it's like part, you know, it's comedy, but then it's like film festival, but then it's like a music component. Right. There's a, tech There's component. a digital component. And then I was like, yeah, and then I was so like well, let me just see who was, because I hadn't paid that much attention either to like what was happening that given year, except I had friends who, to your point, did have films that were supposed to premiere there. But I was like, let me just see who's speaking. And I pulled it up and it was like Michelle Obama. Like, it was like everyone <laughs> famous you've ever heard of. So I felt slightly vindicated, yet also kind of sheepish that I myself did not know that those people were gonna, were supposed to have been there. But then after that, still like the next week or whatever, it was like still kind of business as usual where I was getting like, you know, the update for like, okay, the table read will be on Monday and then we'll go ahead and, you know, shoot the show in front of a live audience and, you know, on that Friday. And that was still being told to me while the mayor of Los Angeles was like shutting everything down. <laughs> so it was very similar right. to what you had it's where so it was like, weird. no, 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 no yeah. we're still on, we're still on. Okay, couple updates. Yeah, I, couple I, I updates. Kept... We're gonna go ahead and do it this way. It's okay. Next new update. Um, no, oh, we're not doing endless. it at all. And then it just like it slowly was... closed down. Yeah, that's. I know. I was supposed to do a, a Kennedy Center thing, and it was like that. It was like, uh, show is gonna go on. It's gonna be great. Uh, see you guys there. <laughs> and then the next one was just like, okay, show is gonna happen, but it's gonna be, happen for like um a seventy five percent full right. audience. But we'll see you there. Okay, see you there. Uh, no, no, no. Shows um shows gonna happen. And it's just gonna happen at 50%. No, no, this time it's gonna happen at two. No, you know what? We're gonna do the show. It's gonna be to an empty audience and three custodial yeah. staff. Okay, and then, but we'll see you there. Like it was yeah. nonstop. Yes. Just they couldn't, you know, decide what it was that was gonna happen. Yes. Craziness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? But it, but it is, it has been interesting how um, I feel like I've also been busier. Mm-hmm. Same. I, I think, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. You you strip away the commute time and it turns out you're a lot more miserable. I think is what I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I physically go to other cities all the time. Yeah. Like that's what my normal life is. I'm flying, you know, to Chicago or to Austin or to wherever yeah. to do shows. And um, I thought that was an inconvenience. And it is, I mean, an inconvenience. Yeah. But I also didn't realize that it was... Um, the thing that kept me yes. going <laughs> yes you know what I mean totally. just like it, it's like I you know I, I I was having um you know when the first sort of wave of pandemic lunches started to happen outdoors yeah. and you were like re- you know started to reconnect with people in a safe way um 
I was just like, uh, it turns out I need 10 to 15 human interactions a day, yeah. like with 10 to 15 different people <laughs> to feel normal. I have been deeply deprived, yeah. you know, um, and I and I think for, you know, for the extroverts, it's uh, it's a tough one to like not. Um, have that constant, uh, you know, I, I feel like a like a vulture, like I'm a people vulture. Like I need to feed off of the energy of other people to be alive. Yeah. Like, is this what a vampire I was going like? to say, I, I like, a, that, I you, that. I like that, you, uh, that you use something that does exist in the natural world as if you were like, I'm not going as far as vampire because those aren't real, but I am a vulture. <laughs> <laughs> I take conversation very seriously. I am a vulture, and, <laughs> and I guess that means I feed off of dead people because I think they're scavengers. So let, wait, let's amend this. Hold on, <laughs> it's oh, a V word. Yeah, it's a v no, word. that's not that's not right at all. Um, yeah, but I am a I am a social like energy vampire or something. And did you would you have um, said that? before all of this because like I do feel like that's sort of there's a point at which that kind of came up in the zeitgeist uh in terms of like what what an introvert person is an, an extrovert and like right. you had those conversations and I did know I think I thought I was an extrovert for a long time and then I realized that I am actually an introvert who loves people um but I had not I have not had the same the quite the same experience as you and yet on our surfaces I feel like people would be like oh they're both this oh you're like, both the, whatever you yeah, guys yeah, are yeah, you're yeah. the same like whatever whichever one it no, is I can I um Janet I've never lived alone I like I really loved always having a roommate yeah you know, before I moved in with with my man, I just aggressively had a roommate. I didn't even necessarily have to, <laughs> but I, I aggressively had a roommate. And I was like a totally, um, you know, um, like a serial monogamist when it came to roommates. Like people would live with me forever. <laughs> and, you know, because I don't mean that to brag. I want to brag. You. I'm a great roommate. Yeah. I'm a great roommate. I'm like pretty clean. I take out the stuff. I have a chat when you need to have a chat, but I also know when to shut up. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, And but I just need to like w come home to someone. It yeah. can't, you know, it can't be. And I remember thinking, you know, um, in my 20s, like, oh my God, what if... I never like get married or something. Am I just going to have roommates until like my 60s? Like, am I just going to be some sort yeah. of octogenarian with a roommate? And I just was like, yeah. You Dude, I'll tell mean? you this. Like, I first of all, I said that. dude somehow. That's how enthusiastic I feel about you is that like this try <laughs> this this kid that thinks they're like a skateboarder <laughs> kicks in and I suddenly say things like dude. So you, this is a compliment to you. But um, no, the Southern California in me appreciate. Oh man, that. I'm telling you, you that's so good because I feel like you know we're one conversation away from sitting down with a doctor and the doctor being like, "You, Janet, will have dementia. You, you're gonna be fine." <laughs> because like so much of you know, I think the more introverted you are, the more likely it is that you do you don't notice the absence of that stimuli, right? And so you do. Right. Um, and I, I say, I mean, I speak from experience, like my mom is like 
the most introvertiest introvert ever and she fully had early onset dementia so i i mean this is not a very pleasant conversation but um but i truly <laughs> but i truly like that is that is yeah. a big part of it is like oh she just no one was there like to to sort of stimulate check in to have like a chat to have a chat yeah. to challenge her to you know widen her horizons in that way and um and so it happened to her early and she was able to hide it from everyone. And, you know, it was just like it. it so I, I really have made the conscious decision. Like, I don't care what's happening in my life. I always will be around at least someone, if not multiple people in some kind of meaningful and profound way, because I definitely I got to stay sharp. I gotta stay sharp, and yeah, you're gonna yeah. stay sharp naturally. Yeah. You're always gonna be naturally well, sharp because I because I because I just need it on like a yeah you know I just need it more, but uh, to to feel happy like I think that's the you know I I can get into like you know little mini states of depression if I don't if I don't get my dose, and I think you know, but I also think the thing that's happening um, that that you're talking about is also just like a big fat national problem. I mean, yeah. the UK has a minister of happiness. I think it's called a minister of happiness um, because so many people are kind of retreating into their silos and they don't have enough communication, enough contact with others. Yeah. And it's really, um, you know, it's a real national epidemic, uh, an inter international epidemic, because I think it's it's not, I think back in the day, introverts like your mom, people were just like up in their business because of the way that communities were structured. Yeah. Um, you had to go, the, the milkman, he was, he showed up, you know, you had to go get your meat from the butcher so he knew what your deal was. Yeah. You had to do this, you had to, there was just a lot more built in here human interaction yes. into the way that our communities were set up yeah. and the way things are now which is why I am so also hell-bent on living a kind of like I almost live like it's still the 1950s you know what yes. I mean because yes. I I go I I go to specialty shops to buy my things because I'm also like one of these save our storefront motherfuckers who just like is endlessly obsessed with like save small business yeah. and supporting community and all that Love stuff it. whatever but um I, I know I'm like ugh, but like no, I'm I I really am. I'm 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 devoted to those things, and so as a, and as a result, I just feel like I put myself out there more to small businesses, to the the the, the other moms at the playground, to the you know the neighbors. You're all look. You're always going to get a hay from me, and it's not. And it I like it's honestly. I think it keeps my blood pressure yes, down. Yes. If I don't do the, hey, what's up? Let's talk about the weather. Oh, my God. Do I love a conversation about the weather? Yeah. I <laughs> will kill a conversation about the weather. You know what I mean? Um, you, like, stand next to me at a stoplight. And I am just like, oh, look at those shoes. They're cute. Or, like, you know, I mean, I will find something. Yeah. Because it because I need to feel like I'm, in a, I'm around humans. And that ultimately we all care about each other. Well, which is so yeah. Anyway, dorky, but it's no, true. no, and I and and I will say, see again, it, it's it's so interesting because all of those things are true for me as well. It's just I have to know I'm going to have time alone. Like it's not, I have to know right, I'm going right, to have time right, right, alone right. to sort of re up. Um, like I'll yeah, like I'll go to no, like totally. like I I'll go to comic cons and spend twelve hours 
meeting people and talking to people and back in the day and hugging people back in the day when you could hug right. and you <laughs> yeah. know and and I'll just give it a thousand percent um but I'm not the person who has anything left to like go out to dinner with your friends afterwards like I leave it all on the field and then I have to like go back and sort of have like the time for three hours where I don't talk to anyone and I'm just like watching a movie in the room or I go for a jog or I like wander around walking somewhere um uh but I but I a hundred percent agree with you that the the sort of connectivity is vital I had that we I we have um we have termites not in our house but like in the sort of um wood fence kind of railing leading up to the house and we had to have that you know treated. is uh, is someone making um meth in your yes. house while it's being someone is for yes okay, someone is making meth um <laughs> I'm a traditionalist in that way. Someone asked me to make him a, uh, but I, I, I realized he can't, he keep, he's come to our house once before to do a check and he was very nice and we just remembered him very fondly. And so it wasn't like he was a total stranger. I don't think it would have mattered if he were, um, he, because uh-huh. it was the, it was like you meeting your conservative Republican, white male, middle-aged uh, alt, like your altar, your your mirror image, kind of like that's what it was for. Yeah, it was yeah. like imagine that person. <laughs> yeah, 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 imagine yeah. being like, oh, <laughs> we're crossing the divide of polarity in this nation because we both respect, want to be respectful and learn from each other. And like somehow he showed up at three, and somehow at four fifteen he had not done anything. Like somehow we got <laughs> into this conversation. Chatting. We were just standing outside, like eight feet apart, oh with God. our masks on. Like, and and I understand. And and I don't. I mean, it was crazy. It was like, listen, and Rick, I get it, Rick. Look, I understand. Look, I'm not. I, I, do I think it's fair that they open casinos before they have to open churches? Of course not. I think that's awful. Like, I really, we were just getting yeah. so in in the weeds <laughs> with each other. And in my mind, I was like, this is going to heal our nation. Like, we all need a we all right. need a, like an in person pen pal. I mean, like we. We all you know. every first of all what i'm getting from this story is that everyone should have termites <laughs> that need to be treated termites that's they right. bring people together that's the new tagline right. for termites yes you boil it down to its its soul and core yes you all need termites because that's the only way our nation is going to get if we're going to heal through this but i but anyway and it was a nice conversation yeah. like you felt i felt uh, did you so hopeful when i walked inside i've i barely stopped talking about it and this was last week like i can't tell you how much i appreciated feeling like it was a guy who i don't know it was just one of those like perfect i mean he was he was sort of a poster child for the person who voted for Biden uh, for Biden this time, but did vote for Trump last time, just, just didn't, right, right, you know, right, was right, like, right. he's a, you know, just a, like a, like a true Christian, like not a fake sort of Christian, not a sanctimonious Got- Christian, <laughs> more of a sincere Christian. And, and, you know, is, you know, in his sixties and is, you know, married and has adult kids and lives outside of LA. So, you know, he's in that, you know, he sort of f- lives outside the bubble, but comes into the city and has all these interactions with all these like annoying liberal, like weirdos who are shrill, um, like me, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, but sure. like, so he's so, but he's t- a total people person. And, um, I felt like he I just it was one of those perfect combinations where I felt really seen and really heard and I felt like I was really hearing him and um 
and I could feel where we both get our information. Like I could feel myself regurgitating the New York Times and the Washington Post. I could hear him regurgitating Fox News. And like, I just felt so, I felt such compassion for everyone, for everyone on in this nation. I was like, oh, like, but we, but there are a bunch of people like him out there. That's how I felt. I felt that there are a lot of people out there who are not in a hurry to hate anyone, are not super excited to yes. be made to feel yes. like they're stupid idiot racists. Um, yeah. And, the, and that's, and that's not going to work to get anything to change. No, like, does, you know what I mean? Work. It was just that. It was just a feeling of like, oh my God, neither one of us are angry right now uh, at each other or really about anything. And we're just both really hopeful that things are going to be okay. And, and I, I really, I, I was like high from it. I was high from it. I love that. I, first of all, I, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm an Iranian American Muslim, as listeners can tell from my voice. Clearly. And, uh, I, and, um, and so, and what, one of the things that I've done a lot, like with my comedy is, you know, and on various occasions, I've like rounded up a bunch of Muslim American comedians in a nonviolent way. And I've gone around <laughs> the country and I've done shows, right? Like I've performed, you know, the week after the 2016 elections, I was in South Carolina performing, right? Right? Like I was in Laramie, I was mm, at Wyoming, yeah. I was in South Dakota performing, right? Yeah. Like I, the, what I like to do is go to places where um, you wouldn't expect a Muslim comedian, you right. know? And, um, and, and so a lot of the stuff that I've done has been about me trying to meet those people. Right. Uh, and there are so many more of those people. The, the like rhetoric that 70 million people voted for Trump are racist I don't buy into that and I'm saying this again as someone like not that my identity matters but I will note as someone who I said is 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 Muslim but also married to a black man and has a biracial baby like I do not think that 70 million people are racist do I think some of those people are racist for For sure. sure but the but I think that when we're looking at mainstream people and we're looking at the way that information is dispersed you know I remember being in um I I, I think we were in Tennessee um and we walked into a, this store and um and for some reason it this it came up the, this woman was like asking about my name or my you know she was trying to figure out where I was from or whatever oh yeah I'm Iranian whatever we're Muslim blah blah and she she said what do you think and th- this is something that was documented in my second film the Muslims were coming and she said what do you think of 9-11 right which I think if 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 you get that question on Twitter, then you're going to be rageful right. and crazy, and uh, you know it's going to be endless. Like, let's troll this person until they shut down their account. How could they ask me that question, right? right? right. But to see this woman, right? She was like a seventy year old woman who ran, you know, a, a vintage shop in some cute town in Tennessee. Um, and she like honestly wanted to know. Yeah, this is her <laughs> chance to like. She's get literally a sense of you exactly, and, and because she's never met a Muslim mm, probably since right. you know, or, or she you know she hasn't had a chance to be chatty with yeah. one. And here I am, um, you know, five foot three and a half. The half really counts, guys. <laughs> um, and I dress like a cartoon character, <laughs> and I'm just like willing to chat about anything. Yeah. So of course she's going to ask me, and then. 
that wasn't the first question that came out of her mouth, but like after 20 minutes yeah. of like thinking that you're in a quote unquote safe yep. space with someone in a conversation, hey, why not say, what do you think of 9-11? And I was just like, oh, like, what do you think I would think? It's horrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and so she needed to hear yeah. that but she also it's like she needed to hear it from a per like yes, a human yes. being that wasn't gonna judge yes, her for the question yes 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 and we spend so much time judging people for the question um and we spend so much time being sanctimonious it makes me crazy yeah. um that we sort of have like all but forgotten that it's possible uh, to to exist in another context, yeah. you know, exist in a context where you're not getting wh- where the first thing you say isn't. Um, I was listening to All Things Considered, and I noticed, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not how yeah. a lot of people start their sentences. Correct. And I know it is how I might start some of my sentences. Right, right. <laughs> and I am the stereotype of that person. Um, but it we it's okay that there are people that don't start their sentences that way, and then they're getting their information in different fashion. Yeah. And we need to reckon with that and be okay with it. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Well, hello. I'm Renee Colvert. Hi, I'm Alexis Preston. And we are the hosts of Can I Pet Your Dog? And we got breaking news. We got an expose. And all the beans have been spilled via an Apple podcast review that said, This show isn't well-researched. Well, yeah, no duh. Of course it's not. Not since the day we started has it been well-researched. Guessing and anthropomorphizing dogs is what we do. The Can I Pet Your Dog promise is that we will never do more than 10 seconds of research before telling you excitedly about any dog we see. I'm going to come at you with top 10 enthusiasm, minimal facts. We're here for a good time, not an educated time. So if you love dogs and you don't love research, well, (laughs) you know what? Come on in to Can I Pet Your Dog podcast every Tuesday on Maximum Fun Network. It sounds like perhaps you've always been very open and available. Um, is that is that fair to say? And is that something that your parents kind of instilled in you? Like, how did you, like, what, I mean, obviously we all know what the context of my podcast is. Like, let's just get right down to it. Drop it in here. Let's <laughs> drop you into high school. Um, high let's school. drop you into 15 uh-huh. year old, 16 year old version yes, of you. Yes. Like how much of that person, um, were you then? Young Nagin. I mean, I was, I think part of the thing with, I grew up in Palm Springs, California, um, which is also like generally a weird place to have grown up because it's like a resort town. So I was essentially a townie, you right, know what I right. mean? Um, and other people enjoyed Palm Springs as a resort town. Like people would often ask me like after, you know, um, I'm going to, I, oh, I'm going to Palm Springs um, for vacation. Where should I go? And I'd be like, um, I don't know, like the Denny's on <laughs> Highway 111 was a great place that we hung out a lot. And there's a place called the Circles, which was just like circles that didn't have houses on them yet. Um, there are people used to do some weed there. Yes. Um, where else could you go? So that's like, you know, my right. my Palm Springs is that. And um, and so we didn't have any other like there was one other Muslim family, Iranian family in 
Palm Springs that was like I went to school with their kids. Um, one. My there high school was really big. Family. One. Yeah, there was one. Yeah. So um, I went. So one of the guys was in my class. Um, and then he, I just if you are in that situation, which a lot of like first generation people are, a lot of hyphenated Americans are. There's so, so, so many. Um, but you can also be hyphenated in, in, in a many different ways. It could be via class. It could be that your parents w- moved from Boston to Palm Springs and you were the only, you know, New Englander. I mean, the people have like various ways of being hyphenated sure. and special. Um, and so, but for me, yeah, there was one other. My high school was 2,000 people. I mean, it was a big school. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, but the, but the funny thing is like, I'd say we were, and these are numbers I'm pulling out of my dick, like 50% Mexican. And um, we didn't, uh, you know, it's like I was in a really multicultural space, but none of the minorities that were like heavily represented were Iranian, of course, you know. Um, And I think when you're in that situation, you just are like, I got to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have... mm, no choice but to adapt you yeah. know um i have no choice but to find meaning in mtv's the real world even though none of these characters address <laughs> me specifically like i have no choice but to look at claire danes in my so-called life and say she is me i is her right. you know what i mean yes. and like that's th- that is i think what what it, look because these things are universal it's not very it's not difficult at all for me you know to to make that connection you know right. what i mean to um I, I i feel just as um comfortable with whiteness um as maybe someone is uncomfortable with muslimness but whatever um <laughs> but but i think so i think that's maybe what made what has made me so open i also was a really special like i was a real academic nerd i was ahead of the debate team thank you um but i was also vice president of the theater club so i was one of those really special crossover dorks right. um who just um really flourished in both <laughs> sides of the dork divide and um and uh you know and 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 I was really uh I mean I wanted to I'm a comedian but like I I started out wanting to be like the first Muslim president of the United States you know what I mean I was really committed to going and going into politics of course Barack Obama beat me to it but um as the first Muslim president hey are you still still really angry at him for like stealing your thunder (laughs) what with him being Muslim and everything or I mean I haven't read the new memoir but I'm assuming (laughs) that there are secret Muslim messages like if you string together the first letter of every chapter it's like our call to arms or something um and our call to arms is like listen to my spotify playlist i'm barack obama or something like that that's mostly like what muslims do but um but yeah i i think um i you know i i was really politically motivated um and so you know even as a as a kid um i always i was always politically motivated and i don't know where that came from or why that happened but it happened um, and, uh, and I think I, what, you know, because I was like in theater and I was doing a lot of comedy or whatever, like I do think I had a reputation of being kind of funny, but I also had a reputation of being a nerd, but I also, you know, I suffered the, 
indignation of not being a hot girl. And I'm not saying I'm not hot. I just wasn't a hot girl in like that, in high yeah, school. In that set with the blonde narrow and the da, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't have any of that. And, it, and you know, look, high school, I'm assuming, is still brutal. I mean, it was fucking brutal mm. at times with just people just straight up telling me that I was ugly or whatever you know um but you know like that's kind of like high school right (laughs) you know I I remember I did this um this is like this is like a chapter in my my book I have wrote a book called how to make white people laugh and I talk a lot about high school um and uh there there was this one I'll just I'll just tell you like one of my more horrible memories of high school I don't know if you're you feel free to cut it out um please but I was I (laughs) so I was in this play and we were doing teasers of the play which we would do for the entire school but the entire school couldn't fit into the drama room at the same time so they would break it up all throughout the day so at each period of the day was a different part of the school coming to see like you know 20 minutes or something of us performing and um and what so we may we managed to get through the entire day it's the the final period is left and it's a it's a comedy i'm in this comedy piece whatever and i can't remember what it was called but i remember in the piece the main guy like has to choose between two women and he's doing like a kind of monologue to the audience what does that call a soliloquy whatever he's like talking to himself in front of the audience and these two women are are at either side and they can't hear his thoughts or whatever and he's just like should I choose this woman or should oh, I God. choose this woman and so he's going right so he's going through this like soliloquy um and I keep using soliloquy and then feeling like it's the wrong word. Doesn't matter. He was saying a thing. And um, and then at some point, so he and, he's, and he has to choose me ultimately, right? My character. But he's describing, so he's like, should I choose the girl in the black dress? That was me. Or the one in the red dress? So then he, and he, and he go hemming and hawing and he's going back and forth. He's like, should I go in the one with the black dress? And as he says that, the entire audience, and I think it was maybe two or three hundred people in the room, start going, boo, she's fat, she's ugly, okay. just like straight up 300 people telling me that I am a hideous <sighs> monster. And then because the other girl, she was actually like really hot, whatever. Anyway, it so, seems like a great like, choice of whoever made the decision to do that piece at all in front <laughs> of high school students. Well, like they, in they every did. way, it seems offensive. <laughs> what an invitation for disaster. Well, it was, it, I know. I mean, but it's like the disaster had not occurred throughout the entire other six periods. Yeah. It was like this one, you know. And God, what it, section and of then, the school was it? It was just like the bigots. Like, oh well, you you know, the okay, I don't. I don't. I mean, I I know that one of the. I remember. Because then he he says, should I choose the other one? Everyone's like cheering for her oh or whatever. God. He chooses me, boo, whatever. Okay. So then I had to go backstage and, and change between because I had, then I had to do another oh. scene. And so I, and I, of course I want to, I'm just really holding back tears yeah. and I'm like unsuccessfully holding back tears. And, um, and the teacher comes out and she was just like, you've got this you're a professional you know get back out there you know you're not the kind of person who's gonna cry to a boss later in life you're too professional for this (laughs) let go of those tears put them away you're not this person (laughs) 
<laughs> so then I do that. And, you know, and then I just, I finished that day of school and just quietly ran away. Oh. And, you know, I went, my, my best friend ran to my house after, like, she had heard. And the news made it around campus. It was horrifying because it wasn't just that those 300 kids you know had done that to me but it's that everybody knew about it so you know it was just horrible 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 but I think interestingly like I mean and I gotta be I mean like I you know look I don't I'm not like an ugly person or whatever again I'm just like not a traditional beauty in that sense and I I did, and obviously I had to get over a lot and in high school is miserable for everybody because a a lot of girls just think that about themselves anyway. Um, The fact that I had got to have this really great chorus of voices (laughs) confirming those (laughs) thoughts. But, But I think, you know, it's interesting because I also think that those, if I had to be sympathetic to them it's that they were also under they're living under the same patriarchy that i am (laughs) not to be like hey 15 year old boys you're living under the same patriarchy we didn't know those words but we didn't understand these concepts but we we were being what we were being overruled by them which is that we're teaching you the beauty is this one thing that you should desire this one thing and then everything outside of that one thing is considered ugly Right. And then it is okay to talk about women that way. Uh, All of these are just lessons that we were all learning. Right. right? And it's not these it's I I bet you, you know, a a ton of those kids didn't even feel that way deep down. You know, it's just that they were. Um, taught under the same rules of patriarchy, which I hate using terms like that because it makes it seem so abstract. But we were all taught the same garbage lessons. And that's kind of what made, um, that's that's what makes those moments happen. It's not necessarily that those people are bad. You know, it's not necessarily that those people are bad. Uh, I think that that kind of reminds me of what we were talking about before in terms of being, an extrovert or being social or getting that kind of getting juiced off of other people. I of course use meth because I cook it at home. So that's not me, but, um, (laughs) but getting that energy from other people again, it's like, speaking of cliches, it's like, let's open up, you know, psychology today and read the article about how much healthier of a life you as an individual will have if you are an optimist or if you are able to sort of see something compassionately because that allows you also to not it's not necessarily about letting someone walk all over you or letting someone um hold on to a judgment that you then accept about yourself but that it's more about like well if I can make this about something bigger than myself then it's not as personal like and 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 so it's it's healthier it's long term seems to me healthier for your mind heart and body to not internalize it and make it just about you only you you're ugly you're this you're that if you can take it in that context in that larger context and place yourself as part of a a bigger you know set of problems if you will um unfortunately then there is a way out of that and the other thing I was thinking too is because I had some some experiences getting bullied uh when I was in school is did you have an awareness at all then because I feel like I had it's hard to it's hard to remember because everything kind of starts stacking up in one heap of feelings but I feel like even then I remember having this absurd sense of like 
But in the movies, like you cheer for the like you like you're on the side of the person who's getting bullied. Like you want those are the protagonists. The protagonists are are me, the person who's not being let to sit down on the bus. Like in a story, we all don't right, we like that right. person and trying to right. sort of you know reckon with that and and trying to like have that conversation like well I guess I'd rather be the person in the movie like you know how do I make this abstract and make this about being a character or or what matters to me is you know is like the world of cinema which you know or television which is like imaginary but you kind of want to believe it exists for a reason so well god there must be more people like me if if we're all rooting for that character in that John Hughes movie or that character in that Disney movie or whatever you know example you're using it's pretty rare that like the jerk is except in the movie the jerk stories too Martin. now um but like the the the, you know that the bully (laughs) is like that's not the person that anyone's rooting right, for in the movie. Right, we for that person. You know? Yeah, no. And I, I wonder. I mean, that's a really good question. Like, do we sort of, d- did we, do we sort of subconsciously know because of the the media diet that we're fed that we that ultimately us the shit upon person um it like wins the day. And I, I'm not. That's that's a good question. I think maybe f- there was some kind of subconsciousness working there. But for me, I think I always just thought. Let me get to college mm-hmm. and this will sort itself out. Yeah. Um, I did always think I'm just going to get to college. I'm just going to get to college. I'm just going to get to college. In, and I will experience the great reset. And if this, none of this will matter. And I think, and that's it, it, like actually very true because I did get to college. We still had hot girls, but it didn't matter. Like it just, right. they didn't have the same power. Right. You know what I mean? And then also... You know, I also needed to get away from, you know, my parents were very strict. I didn't have the same kind of freedoms that other kids did. I needed to get away from all of that. Mm. Um, Do you have brothers and sisters? And I have a brother, but he's 13 years older than me. Oh, yeah, you're an only child. I I was functionally (laughs) an only child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And wait, let me ask you this real quick, and I'm so sorry to interrupt, but but to put contextually now, I'm I'm curious, was was there like a functioning mosque like in Palm Springs? I mean, if there was only one other family that you knew of... In terms of like a kid no, at your school, we, like, I mean, how'd that work? No, we didn't. My parents, so my dad had been practicing for a long time, but then sort of like dropped off of like actually of, of serious practice when I was a kid. Gotcha. And then we lived with my, my grandparents for some time and they would just, you know, it's interesting. They would just, um, they would like pray five times a day and my grandmother would cover herself and they wouldn't eat this and they wouldn't drink that and blah 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 but they didn't proselytize at all mm. so my, my relationship with islam was something was like a very much a la carte optional situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it was no one was ever like practice this do that even my you know like i said i, I was with hardcore muslims for years they lived with us and they never said a word to me <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. they were just like <laughs> just sh- i don't know and it and i think that's that's partly a little bit more of a, like an iranian quality mm. 
I also think it's more my, my family. They were just real hands off with like any kind of like ideological impositions. Yeah. Um, the you know the most like they were like way more judgmental about like how I tweezed my eyebrows <laughs> than anything having to do with like an F value based system. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so yeah, so my relationship with Islam was super chill. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Growing up. Yeah. 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 Well, that's also the an interesting. I mean, that's very much I think something that is that is being talked about now and has been for some time. But like, is is something that maybe um, more people feel comfortable having a discussion outside of their own social groups or outside of their own cultural groups. But this idea of the 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 blending or or how do you tease apart culture versus religion? You know that there's like you could self-identify as a Jew and that doesn't mean you ever go to temple or observe any holidays right. or, or kosher or anything. But, but, right. but do you still get to call yourself that? Yes, you do. That's a culture as much, you know, as well as it is a religion. And, yeah. and, and are there, you know, who, who's drawing the lines between the nomenclature and like what you, what, you know, what, what you are, who you are, where you come from, all of that stuff is so intermingling. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, and I think the way that I got it was like, first of all, the, the praying always seemed like this kind of zen-like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like this kind of like, like, oh, this is like, you know, it's like turning on Enya a few times a day and like just taking a moment. Like it, it, it had more of a zen, I, the way I viewed it. It's funny because you watch footage on Fox News, again, talking about like how we <laughs> perceive things. You watch footage on Fox News, a, like a Muslim prayer seemed like this crazy, like, you know, call to arms, <laughs> like, look at all these people bowing and da da da. But like if you strip away the commentary, you're like, oh, they're just kind of like meditating. That's nice. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just, you're just look at it differently That's, you know what this I, a different perception no, i'm uncomfortable with this it is not nearly as normal as putting a wafer in your mouth and pretending it's the body of a human being who died <laughs> a few years ago <laughs> that kind of thing makes you sense know, and so i i think um right so like i i think um the the cultural components it's so it's like i i grew up around it uh around that aspect i grew up around like not eating certain things or not drinking th certain things to the point where like even to this day if I have bacon which I do mm -hmm. um, I feel I feel like I'm doing something wrong because we just aggressively didn't have it in the home right, right? Um, and also just like there you know coming from like traditionally Muslim country it was like there's just more strict rules about you know women and what they should do and not do. And um, and my parents are like ultimately very progressive. Look, they gave birth to a comedian. You know what I mean? <laughs> they supported my career. I went and got a master's degree in African-American studies, another one in public policy, worked for the city of New York as a policy advisor, and then quit all of that to literally become a comedian. And they just were like, we stand by nice. you. We don't understand, but we stand That's by so you. Great. So like... It's so great. And I think, um, so my parents are just an odd mixture of you're not allowed to have a boyfriend, but also that's go to, go to the other side of the country um, and be, you know, I went to school in upstate New York at Cornell and I remember, you know, meeting other Iranian girls whose parents wouldn't let them leave like within 50 miles of their hometown, you yeah. know. Uh, so I think that also 
I think that also has to do with the fact that we didn't have the social pressures of other Iranian families. Mm. So a lot of times you meet someone who let's say grew up in um, Dearborn, Michigan or something and there's like a ton of Muslims there. Maybe the largest percentage of Muslims in the United States are in Dearborn. And um, and you have way more social pressures of what you should do, what, how you should behave with their children as a parent, what you should allow them to do and not do. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's the peer pressure that comes from having Muslim friends. I just didn't have any of that. Yeah. And because there, I just didn't have a cohort of Iranians, yeah. you know. Why, why were um, you? How so, did you end up? How did your folks end up settling in Palm Springs? Was it just work stuff? Because we were in... Um, I, w- I was born um, in New Haven, but then my parents, my dad ended up in Virginia. We ended up in Virginia for, for many years where it was, um, uh, and I was a baby. So uh, it was, the, you know, the, their main like sticking point with Virginia was that it was a little racist. <laughs> like they were in a part of Virginia that was racist. One of my earliest memories is my brother coming home from middle school with a black eye or whatever because someone was like, um, you know, you dirty Iranian or whatever. Like Iranians were very hated in the 80s, um, specifically hated. I know they've never been like just like adored or anything yeah. in America. But like um, in the in the 80s, they were very, very hated. Yeah. And so my brother was like a kid and was being, you know, was, was you know, beaten up and stuff like that for, <sighs> for being Iranian. Uh, and so my parents were just, they, a, a buddy of my dad's called and my dad's a surgeon and they, my dad, and he was like, uh, dude, like you've got to come to Palm Springs. Like there's so many old people; they have heart attacks all the time. Like this is where the business be at, you know. And so the second so wave of the gold rush in California is old people dying. Hey, for you go where the market is. You go where the market is. Um, and so yeah, so I end up and 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 I'm really grateful that that for that random call because my. my you know, my childhood was was vastly different from what my brother had to experience in high school because I had the I had the buffer of tons of Mexicans. You know what I mean? <laughs> we didn't have the same kind of like race racial dynamics because I had so many Mexicans around me. Now, did I wish to just sometimes be blended into the Mexican community? Yes, like that. And it's just kind of what I think as a default, people a lot of people just assume that. I was Mexican you yeah. know and that was fine it worked out yeah me too same Co- growing up in Tucson <laughs> uh right a lot of ton of Mexicans right I I went going to upstate New York for college and I was like I'm sorry um where, where do I find all of the Mexicans I don't I don't understand yeah. you know I was stunned by how few Mexicans there yeah. were in upstate New York I just didn't get I clear it. no and I've clearly I mean I, I I just have not wandered that far afield like I'm such a west coast person and I'm such a southern west coast person it's kind of sad right. like but that's that is <laughs> what I know and I think I was even like relieved in San Francisco I was like oh we're still good Okay, we're still, we're still good. Um, yeah, and obviously I was yeah. kidding saying that like I could pass for Mexican, but um, but that was but that was definitely something you know like it's I don't it's it wasn't the worst thing in the world for me to you know have cultural envy of the majority of kids I was going to elementary school and and you know with like and and those holidays feeling more significant to me. Um, I'm so grateful. <laughs> 
I'm so grateful. Right. And I'm it's so also grateful like that remote, I had white shame from such a young age. I really am just so grateful for that. It's really been with me a long time. It's also like re- reverse teen movie. Yeah. Right. Where like you, um, I want to see that teen movie. Oh, man. You know? um, because we're used to the other um to the other narrative but I do I, I and I and I had that cultural envy um as just a as a as a member of a minority group whose my whose minority membership was so small Ugh, I, yeah. it didn't warrant categorization yeah. you know um so I I was very much in a similar boat oh oh it's time for a quick break I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. (laughs) In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Shire. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! I feel like I could stay on the phone with you for seven hours. I guess that's not respectful of your time. But um, <laughs> I play a, ma- a game of MASH at the end of yes. my episodes. Uh, and I do want to get into that. It. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, uh, okay. So first category for you. There's so much I didn't cover because I was talking. I was gabbing at you about so many other things that I've uh, treasured and enjoyed so much. Um However, I'm like, oh, yeah, what was now? Did we get into much more of what we liked except for politics uh, as a high school student? So this is my chance to <laughs> crack open um, some more some more knowledge about you at teenage you okay. and current you. But let's start with um, three uh, three collaborations with comedians um, from perhaps another era, uh, even if that era is like 10 years ago, um, but okay. three comedians from from any time that you get to kind of collaborate on something with, whatever that is. Wait, so I'm supposed to list three comedians that I would love yeah, to collaborate and then, with? Yeah, I'm sorry, I should have explained this better. Uh, and then at the end of this MASH game, so I'm going to throw some different categories at you, and you just kind of speak from, you know, extemporaneously what you're in the mood for right now. Know that it's oh, you're not you. married okay. to it for the rest of your life, even though this is a okay. 100% guaranteed alternate universe, you. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and then okay. at the end, like, we'll figure out which thing you ended up with. So you have one from each category okay, that, that, uh, that will be your gift okay so three comedians that i would love to work with are um um paul f tompkins um which he's been on my show i see he's a person i know but i just like i still i'm a i'm a fan yeah, I, um, I can never get enough of know, him and he's a dear way. friend and i couldn't yeah, agree more ex- yeah so so paul f tompkins lucille ball um and like um um Oh my gosh, this is such a tough um uh Rory Scovel? I don't know. These yeah, those three. <laughs> I can't wait to tell Rory. I mean, listen, you felt like a Hail Mary. You felt like she was uh, really digging at the bottom of the barrel of ideas. And, no! no, I'm totally kidding. 
Um, okay. But I, it's funny because, no, this is, I'll tell you, Rory Scovel is one of the first names that popped into my head. Um, he's a comedian that I've, I don't know. I, I feel like I should have been on a lineup with him at some point, but I never have been. And he, um, but I got nervous because I had three white people in my mix. Understood. Understood. <laughs> so, Understood. So anyways, don't at me, folks. Yeah, please it don't. just, those are the first three names that Please came don't. To me. Also, let's remember we are all subject to the rules of this patriarchy that we've all grown up in. And that's what we, no, listen, we do that every, listen, for Sketchfest every year, we're like, um, when you start talking about paying tribute to someone who was famous like 50 years ago, it's a sad state of affairs. You're like, what white guy should we tribute this? And they're wonderful. You know what I mean? Like who doesn't want to pay tribute to Gene Wilder? But then you start stacking them up in this day and age and you're like, Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I'm so excited yeah. for, you know, 30 years from now, like the uh, the incredible diversity I hope is being celebrated yes. and looked back upon is going to be like yes. unrecognizable to 50 years ago. Um yes. okay, next category, let's do three places in the world uh that you would love to have uh like a second home and we're just going to pretend that covid's not a thing and we can and teleport you there so you don't have to worry about the travel even though we've discovered that the travel keeps you going so if you you know listen we don't have to remove the travel that's up to you 100 i would be ilia grange which is an island off the coast of rio in brazil mm-hmm. it's fantastic there are no cars and it's just Ooh. like the most magical place i would love a second home in uh, paris because i uh, spent a couple of years living in paris and i really love it's it wonderful. and i think it's the the best it's so wonderful. um second only to new york city and then um I really love um, the Hawaii. The Hawaii. Beautiful. (laughs) The Hawaii. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Next category, three foods that in this reality, uh, maybe you're allergic to it or it feels like sort of ecologically uh, unsound (laughs) to be producing what's being produced or it's so sugary that you can't eat a bunch of it or you'll feel sick. We're stripping all of that away in this alternate universe. Everything is sort of the same level of like, yeah, it's all great. Um, No one's getting hurt. Uh, Three things that you would love to have in perpetuity that we're going to give you at the snap of your fingers with no ramifications. Three foods that I would eat in perpetuity um, with no ramifications are mac and cheese. Hell yeah. Um, oh my God. Some sort of like um, like a pad thai, yeah. like thai noodle concoction. Yes, indeed. Um, and a, um, first, I mean, there's again, this is the third thing that came to mind, molten chocolate cake. Beautiful. Great. Okay. Uh, okay, next category, let's do three bands or singer-songwriters, composers, uh, three musicians that we're going to, they they have magically crafted an album yeah. of songs yeah. for you that just sort of encapsulates yes. you, your heart, your life, your past, all of that. Right, it's um, Bjork. Bono and Tunyards. That you had that answer so fast. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Gorgeous. Okay, I love it. All right. All due respect to your wonderful companion in life. This is a mash game. Three okay. people. No, I won't tell any them. characters. Any. I don't care where they come from, how old they are, whether they're real or not. If it's an actor who played something, whatever. It's up to you. Three romance alternate universe. Three romance alternate universe. Ah! Okay, John Cusack in the 80s. Yeah. 
Um, oh my God. What's the name of that? Oscar Isaacs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. currently. Um, and, um, Sterling K. Brown. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Uh, next category. Let's do three. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Three books that you can jump into whenever you want and just be in that reality, like hanging with those characters. And if it's hard, yeah. Uh, and if and if books is posing a challenge because those are the things I remember least, even though I consume a million audiobooks a day, uh, you can branch it out into like a movie or something. Sure. Um, okay. So Fleshman's in trouble. Right. Um, Anchorman. Because you said mo- I could do a yeah, movie. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, Miranda July's, uh, me and you and everyone oh, we know. That's so good. Uh. <laughs> I feel like unheralded movie that absolutely everyone should watch. Just like side I note. I agree. I agree. I, 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 her brain is so special. Um, it's so special. She's actually also like, so, yeah, I would also throw her into making me an album. Like, you absolutely. Know, she's just so you, she absolutely. could do anything. She's so crazy. And awesome. I will say, and I'm very embarrassed by this. And I don't know if I've said this ever before on the podcast. This was many years ago, but I saw her at a health food store in Los Angeles. Ah! And I hadn't been doing my podcast that long. But I didn't, I don't know any, we don't have any friends in common that I know of. We probably do. And it's probably someone cool like Zach Galifianakis. Like, oh, Zach's my key, like my key to everyone who's cool outside of comedy somehow. But, uh, but I didn't, I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to, it was that moment where I was like, I, I, I do not approach people ever, ever in any circumstance, unless it's peer to peer. Um, because I just don't want to make someone uncomfortable, nor do I want to feel like a total loser, um, which is like loser is in the eye of the beholder on that one. But that is how I would feel. And I, I was like, I, th- I have to, I, I, pr- I may never have this you opportunity again. Yourself. And, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. want you to imagine that, yes, it did go exactly as you would expect it would with someone like that, who's sort of semi-existing in real life, but also, like, has their head somewhere else. It was, like, yeah. vague sort of puzzlement, like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. And I was, like, I just, I this is, I'm not, and I can't, I wasn't forming words well, you know, I was leaning on comedy, like, it was awful. It was awful. I was like, I have a podcast. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've interviewed some great ladies, like spit out a few names that I hoped would be meaningful to her. And then I was like, okay, I'm, and then I was already apologizing, like encouraging her not to ever contact me, like actively being like, <laughs> but don't, don't, please don't act on this. But I just, I needed to, but please don't, but I'm so sorry, but I'm really so sorry. And surprisingly, That's I so never funny. heard from her. How strange. Well, you told her not to. I really, um, yeah. But the funny thing is I had, a, this is very recently, actually, right before the pandemic, I was up for a part on a Mike Mills movie, who is her husband, <sighs> and who also was a, a brilliant filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, and so I was, I, I got a callback or whatever. And so I got more of a chance. I didn't get this part, sadly, but I got a chance to like kind of hang out with Mike Mills for a minute. And I was just like, hey, listen, I, uh really think your wife is like the best ever (laughs) and he's like yeah he's like she's she's better than me and I I know like and the way like 
he was basically like, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's funny, like, he's he's a famous director. Yeah. Like, he's not a non-famous yeah. director. He's a famous director. But I was just like, I, and, and then I was just like, no, but just so we're clear, like, I really, really think she's wonderful. And he's like, no, no, I, I get it. Like, I get it. Please stop. You know what I mean? Like, I, please stop. And that makes me feel <laughs> he better. He was really nice about it, but like, but I was just like, oh my God, I spent my own, I spent so much of my audition to Mike Mills, like, telling him that his wife was the one most wonderful person ever that does make you feel better it like it's not it's it's, yeah. a, it's a weird indirect way of making me feel better so thank you for he that he couldn't you know what after that he really couldn't give me the part because i would just that's be right. you know you know i would essentially be stalking his wife is that's the right he, he made the that decision that been a on situation. behalf of his marriage he made the decision not to yeah no it's it's he's the only thing he i definitely do. get it uh okay uh next to last category three real life skills that uh were you have the opportunity to have that you wake up with tomorrow and you're just like extraordinarily great at something whether you are competent now or uh, don't know how to do it yeah. at all I would really love to be one of those people that can play any song on the piano after hearing yeah. it um, I would really love to be one of those people that like can look at like financial documents mm-hmm. and or like, you know, Wall Street whatevers and be like, oh, totally yeah. and like completely understand yes. it. <laughs> and um, I would really love to be one of those uh, intuitive people who can intuitively cook like without looking at a recipe. Mm-hmm. 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 Great. Um, God, that was a great use of the category. Okay. Uh, and then final <laughs> category for the, uh, let's do three places and times uh, that you can visit. You're in a safety bubble. You're sort of not visible to the world. You're an observer, but you get to see either a specific event or just like an era um, in time and place that would be fascinating yeah. to see three. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting to see the Prohibition era, like the 20s yeah. for some reason. I find that fascinating. Um, I think it would be super interesting to be dropped into the French Revolution. Yeah. Just like, I'm not like a violent seeker or anything, but just like, I don't know, the ideas and the fervor and the yeah. whatever. Like, um, it would be interesting to see that. I would love... Um, I'd also love to have been in New York City um, in the 60s with like the movement building and um, and everything that happened. Here. Love it. Love it. I, yeah, the first two in particular, but actually the third one to some degree as well, like the, I too am like I got I, I feel a hunger to see things that only feel mythological to me even though I very much know they existed there's there it's so hard to imagine just like the day in day out of a prohibition era like being a a gangster's mole like what (laughs) right because they were still like waking up picking up a bagel you know what I mean there was still like a funny quotidian aspect to like the life of a gangster in the 20s like uh, hustling beers or whatever but um it yeah yeah, just and also just the idea like the entire country wasn't allowed to drink, but obviously everybody yeah. was. Like oh, that to yeah. me is also it's just really crazy. Yeah. Those extremes are incredibly fascinating. Um okay, give me a number between one and seven. Five. Okay. 
Will you, while I do these calculations, uh, please tell people the things that they should be paying attention to of yours um, in all the ways? Oh, yeah, sure. Yes, I would love if you would um, listen to my podcast, Fake the Nation. Um, so it is a political comedy podcast. It's a roundtable. And and every week I have uh, two different comedians and we kvetch about the news and about um, other dumb things happening culturally. Um, and uh, so it's people like Margaret Cho has, uh, was just on. Samantha Bee was just on. Um, Julian Castro, a presidential nominee, wow. was on. Um, David Cross, Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we have like a really fun and eclectic um, panel of usually comedians. Um, and we break it down and it's super fun. So you could check out Fake the Nation and also my book, How to Make White People Laugh. And, uh, and I have like writings and all that stuff all over the uh, internet that timed out so perfectly I can't even tell you so thank god you didn't have one more credit or I would have shut you down I would have played the academy music I'd play you off the stage uh no that was gorgeous um I am very excited I'll tell you why I'm excited about this because there's a level of like there's 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 just no snobbery happening here there's like a real high low deliciousness about these these results um uh, let me start by describing the endless gorgeous mac and cheese that you will be eating inside your shack Mm. in paris france (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just as one example oh that sounds great. you know what i mean or like the fact that you can jump into anchorman wherever whenever you want but you also have a custom album created for you in admiration by bjork like i love those side besides you know what i mean i love that you have collaborated with lucille ball um, mm. and I think that's the kind of person who's really going to appreciate the fact that you can just play any song on piano. Like, oh, the, oh, this, oh, this old thing, <laughs> this thing I just heard a snap, a little snippet of that I could outplay the entire thing. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> Hello, my right time Well, it's gal. funny that you would that's bring that era up because <laughs> you may be in high demand if you decide to unveil yourself. I know you're invisible and safe when you visit the prohibition area, but era, but we'll give you the option of. Uh, uncloaking yourself and um, making music, playing some uh, maybe some ragtime um, as you as yes. you visit that mythic era of and time I'll in be the in a States. flapper outfit one hundred percent. I know the person who's going to appreciate that and who I feel like I've seen in nineteen twenties attire, and he cuts a very nice jib is none other than the wonderful Sterling K Brown. Ah. Oh. Beautiful. I mean, this is a this is a very positive. <laughs> that outcome. is a scene. Yeah. Oh my God, I love. I just that. want you to bathe in those mash results because you've oh, earned it. That was You're wonderful. wonderful. Thank you. Um, I've had such a pleasure doing this. I hope I count as one of the fifteen people that you need to have a genuine interaction with today because. <laughs> This has been a pleasure. And it a wasn't joy. long enough, Janet. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, this was fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Fun. I love talking I to you. I could not feel more the same. I really hope uh, that when the fog lifts, we get a chance to be around each other in real life. That would be very, very pleasurable. 
Uh, in person, in person. Like in a latte. It'll be it's so It's going to nice. be great. I like oat milk. It's true. I'm one of those people. <laughs> um, wonderful. Okay. I uh, uh, For everyone else listening, I appreciate you. I cherish you. And I will talk to you next time on the podcast. show is recorded by me and edited by julian burrell and as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned, audience supported